Hello and welcome to Bizarre Conspiracies. In today's episode, me and Conrad are going to talk about volcanoes, super volcanoes, and earthquakes. And when I say me and Conrad, I mean mostly Conrad. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Volcanoes. I was just stumbling across, you know, different ways that you could survive in the middle of some sort of a end of the world scenario. And I'd run across the fact that maybe the safest place in the world to run to would be over there in northern Montana, eastern Montana, Idaho, or northern Wyoming. But then I also discovered that up there, there is the supervolcano Yellowstone. So I went looking into, well, if someone was trying to survive the end of the world and there was like five different apocalyptic things going on and in my quest to find where the safest place in the world to be was, could you survive Yellowstone erupting if you were nearby? Oh boy. Well, Yellowstone is a super volcano. Have you ever heard of that, Eric? The uh, difference between a super volcano and just a volcano? I have heard of it, but I don't remember exactly what the okay. difference is. Well, have you ever heard of Mount Yellowstone? Refresh my memory. It doesn't exist. However, Yellowstone is a supervolcano, but how come it's not a mountain? You have Mount St. Helen. That's a, you know, volcano we've all heard of. Uh, Mount Hood. That's a, another popular volcano that a lot of people know of, but it's not as famous as uh, St. Helen. But why is it that the supervolcanoes have not formed into mountains? And the reason for that is when a supervolcano goes off, it explodes the whole mountain. The whole thing disappears as it flies high into the atmosphere, in a sense. I mean, it doesn't go up, then the remainders crumble and fall in on itself, but I'll get it to that in a bit. A supervolcano is a volcano that throws out a million cubic meters of volcanic ash and rock and lava it throws out how much a million cubic meters if that was to happen and it was to to erupt it would produce enough lava or volcanic output which is, is sometimes referred to as a pyroclastic eruption it would put out enough pyroclastic to cover the entire state of texas five feet deep holy so yeah that's a significant amount the way that it works is, unlike a lot of volcanoes, just your regular volcano, when it erupts, those ones are caused by a buildup in the, the magma pool and that swells and then the pressure builds and eventually it bursts and then it, it flows up out of the top and then it, it remains structurally sound, the volcano that is, for the most part. Like Mount St. Helen crumbled on the side, but it remained its upright form. A supervolcano erupts from deeper down. It's the mantle itself gets a, a buildup of some kind. They have two different theories for how it happens, but the main gist of it is there's a massive amount of lava that forms down below the uh, crust, but it does not erupt because it has a more viscous lava which is not able to flow as freely as regular lava so because of that it forms a pocket that is like a second volcano in a sense where a volcano is when it, it builds up and bursts out from underneath the crusts this one it builds up but it's it's blocked by another buildup so it has to go through a layer of building up lava which cannot escape 
and then the gases build up underneath that, and then eventually it forces the viscous stuff to explode outwards where regular lava would have already done so. So it's like a double volcano in that sense. So where most volcanoes would normally already have erupted, this one does not, and then another volcano, in a sense, forms under that. I, I think that that's not a scientifically accurate way of describing it, but that's what I gathered. <laughs> okay. And then after all of this stuff is blown out, this megameter, so to speak, of all of this of lava, it leaves a massive void underneath, which was most volcanoes would just be able to withstand having this massive cavity underneath, and that would be its magma chamber. And it would generally remain empty and maybe slowly fill up over time and then erupt again and then remain. With a super volcano, this void is no longer stable and will crumble in on itself. So if you look at a, a super volcano, it'll actually generally be a hole in the ground, like a crater. They call it a cauldra, kind of like a cauldron. And the one in uh, Yellowstone actually has a lake as part of the cauldra. The whole point is it's massive compared to just a regular eruption. The results of it would cover probably the whole state that it erupts in, in a very thick layer of rock and molten ash and that sort of thing but the real fallout would be it would cause like a miniature ice age because it would have roughly the same effect as nuclear winter all this ash would go into the atmosphere reflect the sunlight and keep sunlight from making it down to the earth which would cool the earth and cause a significant loss of crops around the world but also it would probably collapse houses and that sort of thing for hundreds of miles around the actual eruption because there'd be so much stuff landing on top of things. Things would just get buried. So as far as I can tell, surviving a super volcano is highly unlikely if you're nearby. Now, Yellowstone super volcano, it's uh -huh. in Wyoming, right? Yes. Okay. But it's not the only super volcano in the United States. It just happens to be the largest. There's 20 worldwide. Oh, okay. So at least five in the U.S. There's um, one in Arizona. In Italy, there's Campi Flagretta. Uh, it's mm -hmm. near Marsili. I know we're talking about surviving a supervolcano, mm -hmm. but what actually causes a supervolcano to erupt? Is it weather conditions is, or is there a timer on this? Like, is it just going to erupt eventually anyway? Uh, so it, it's a bunch of things that all come together. So mostly there's a blockage that's required because if you go to Yellowstone, what is it known for? It's known for its hot geysers. And it's mm -hmm. known for, I don't know if it's necessarily known for volcanoes, but there's all these different eruptions that are happening all over the place. There's a, a lot of seismic activity where there's hundreds of earthquakes that happen in Yellowstone every decade, but they're very small, very small tremors. And there's a lot of seismic activity. What makes a super volcano is when there's a blockage of some kind that keeps that from happening. So as long as you keep having frequent volcanoes of other smaller things, then you'll never build up to a super volcano. A super volcano happens when there's a blockage that causes it not to be able to erupt, and then it keeps getting hotter, and then there's a swelling. In fact, you'll probably know that a super volcano is going to happen like a hundred years before it actually erupts. You'll start to notice that there's a blockage, and the ground will actually start to swell, and there'll be large amounts of earthquakes 
and the ground so, will start to have huge cracks in it as it starts to right. swell and rise up out of the, the ground. Before a super volcano erupts, it'll actually rise up like a, a great big pimple. <laughs> right, right. So any volcano could be a super volcano. Yes and no. If, if there's a blockage. Yes, but also every volcano has some type... factors to it. Yeah, every violent eruption will have a blockage, but a supervolcano requires a special blockage that happens deep beneath the crust. So most volcanoes will have a, a blockage as there's the magma pools that happen inside the crust. And then as the these lava flows are going to the surface, it'll stop at some point, some blockage, and then it'll eventually explode and erupt. But there's other places where you'll find where there's gentle releases of all of this stuff where there is no blockage. And that's where you'll have some volcanoes that are dormant will be billowing tons of steam, but they'll never erupt. And the reason why they're just billowing steam is it's releasing the pressure slowly over time. And then you'll have other volcanoes that erupt very gently, have very small but frequent eruptions. So it's been hundreds of thousands of years since Yellowstone's erupted. And it's not necessarily that it is due for an eruption. There's no, it's due for this. It's kind of like a, a heart attack. Are you ever due for a heart attack? Well, it depends. <laughs> How healthy are you, right? A heart attack happens when you have a blockage of circulation. A super uh, eruption happens when you have a blockage of all of this stuff that's supposed to be erupting out of the surface, being blocked not only inside of the crust, which would be a regular volcano, but below the crust. And it swells over a long period of time. And when the eruption does happen, it releases, you know, massive amounts of rocks and lava and ash and poisonous gases, huge amounts of carbon dioxide that will just, that could smother a whole city because this wave of carbon dioxide will settle in an area and there won't be any oxygen there. It'll displace all the oxygen and you will actually suffocate there. Jeez. All right. Let's hold it right there. For a quick word from our sponsors. All right, and we're back. And then the ash can solidify inside your and crystallize inside your lungs, and it will suffocate you that way. And then, of course, you can be buried by rocks or be hit by falling rocks, crush you. And so then, obviously, even the most well-prepared prepper couldn't survive no obviously you could you could most certainly um you would want to be underground but not really close to the volcano i mean if you get close enough to the volcano yeah you're gonna die because after it erupts then it collapses and then also when it erupts it can cause um huge amounts of landslides and it can cause avalanches if it's, mm. you know, snowy, all right. that snow right. will start to smelt and then it'll cause rivers to rise. It can cause uh, huge flash floods. So you would want to be high ground, but not on the volcano, not in the crumble zone, in a basement with an oxygen supply that will last you a carbon dioxide spell. And you would want tons of food that can help you survive until you don't have to come up for um, any reason because the air will be toxic and then there'll be acid rain. How long will the air be toxic? Well, um, generally. It, Depends on what you Roughly, consider toxic. I, I would imagine that within a month, you wouldn't have Ooh. any issues with uh, 
being able to breathe the air for long periods of time. I mean, obviously, I'm sure a long exposure to that air would cause cancer, but mm. it wouldn't be the type that would kill you outright for a short-term exposure. And then within a year, the atmosphere will return to regular survivable what it was. amount. Yeah, well, except there will be particles in the air which will uh -huh. continue to cause crop failure for the next 10 years. Jeez. So you would want to plan for that. That would be really the only thing that you could would want to plan for in case of a um, super volcano because you should hopefully know when a super volcano is coming. Mm -hmm. They should be able to spot that. It, it's kind of like... Uh, they normally can see when a volcano is going to erupt. That's generally something they can predict. There's a lot of false positives when it comes to predicting volcanoes. So the issue that they have is not knowing that the volcano is going to erupt. It's knowing because they, they can say, well, you know, it's either it's going to erupt sometime in the next five years. They don't know what's going to be tomorrow or in the third year or anything like that. You know, so if they so, say that, like, it's going to be it's going to erupt in five years. Well, is it do just you move. evacuate? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the best thing to do would be to move away because you cannot just reasonably try and avoid it. survive. Right. But I have a feeling that when it's a super volcano, they won't know even which decade it's going to erupt because it's going to be a very slow build. So <laughs> as they are trying to figure out when it's going to erupt, when, when they know that a super volcano is coming, assuming they can predict that because there hasn't been a super volcano eruption in 75,000 years. So we've never observed one. And the one that did erupt wasn't technically a super eruption because it did not reach the uh, megameter <laughs> of material. According to Google, I don't know how true this is, the most recent supervolcano eruption on Earth occurred 27,000 years ago. Uh, was that in Indonesia or was it that the was one located in... located at the center of New Zealand. New Zealand. Okay, that was a New Zealand one. So another thing that they have an issue with is getting the exact time right because they're looking at stuff that's layers of ash and magma and saying, well, this was these many years ago. Exactly when is not exact science, but yeah, the one in New Zealand, they say, is probably sooner than the one that I'm talking about. But another thing about super volcanoes is they don't erupt in the same place, erupt in near the same place. So if you look at, say, the super volcano Yellowstone, it is not, if you look at where it erupted on a map, they'll give you three or four different spots where they say that it erupted and it'll be different places. So they can't really pinpoint exactly where it is because the North American continent is shifting to the West. So how would you survive a volcano if you were in close proximity to it? Honestly, a basement. It's odd how basements are so underrated. <laughs> just you, you put just a little bit of... Um, dirt between you and the outside world even today in modern warfare it seems as though digging a hole is just the best form of cover people have been digging holes for cover for the longest time and we never can seem to find a more cost effective and survivable way than a basement basements are awesome if you're living near a volcano not a super volcano you might consider getting a uh, basement. So something for like Mount Hood, which is one of the, the volcanoes which they assume may erupt in our lifetime. The one that they think is going to most likely erupt in the North American continent is actually St. Helens. Okay. 
Uh, but there's plenty of volcanoes. But if you're concerned about a volcano in your area, basement, best thing. If you have a super volcano, you're going to be having tsunamis nearby if it's... But not Yellowstone. Not Yellowstone specifically, but like the one in Italy. Oh yeah, you're going to be having super volcano... Uh, you're going to have uh, <laughs> tsunamis all over the place. Uh, there's an island out in the middle of Mediterranean that has a super volcano. If that one was to erupt, then all around the Mediterranean, you would have tsunamis on all the sides. So yeah, basements are not very good for tsunamis. But if you're inland... Definitely. Gotcha. Anyway, the main point that I found with that is volcanoes are dangerous. Yeah, not a whole lot you can do about that one. Now, one of the concerns about having a basement is if it collapses in on itself, you get buried that way. But really, if you're close enough to a volcano that a basement is collapsing, odds are you're going to die anyway. You're just delaying your death yeah. to like suffocation now. You don't want to be underground in like a cave or a mine in the middle of an earthquake. That's terrible. So is it because but, the ceiling above you could collapse? Yes. Okay. But the difference is in an earthquake in a basement is it's not a cave or all these other natural right, right. pockets of earth. It's built to a code and it is in fact even more sturdy than a regular building because it's reinforced on dirt on all the sides. So it's actually less likely to collapse than a regular building. Basements are good for volcanoes and earthquakes. Well, an earthquake actually, the best thing to do is stay put because they end so quickly that you wouldn't go to a basement in the middle of an earthquake. And if you were in a basement and the earthquakes happened, you wouldn't leave the basement. The best thing to do in an earthquake is to get underneath the closest, and I emphasize closest, piece of furniture that you can fit under. And you want to do it as fast as possible. And if you can't get underneath something very fast, it's actually best not to try and flee in an earthquake because odds are they've decided that people who were killed more in an earthquake are the people who are fleeing rather than the people who stay put. Is that because they were hit by something? Yeah. Originally, the uh, idea was you should hide in a door frame was one of the ideas because they thought that a door frame was more sturdy, but they found out that's not accurate. What about you hiding actually... in a bathroom in a tub? Uh, I mean, it's not terrible. But Better than nothing. What your issue is things falling on you from the ceiling, like parts of the ceiling breaking and falling and landing on you. So uh -huh. that's why you would go hide underneath a table or a desk, is if something breaks free from above you and falls, it's going to land on top of the object you're hiding under. Mm -hmm. If your building that you're in collapses, you're not going to have time to escape it in an earthquake. They hit very suddenly. So if you try to escape it, what's going to happen is you're going to end up getting crushed anyway, and it's better to be underneath the table and buried in the rubble because then you have a chance of whatever you're hiding underneath protecting you from your house collapsing on top of you. If your house collapses and you're in a door frame, it, it, does, it isn't going to help you as much as if you're under a table because the door frame was part of the house that's falling down. You can't really prep for an earthquake, except building a stronger house. That's it. Oh, and not living on a fault line. So besides those two things, you can't really prep for an earthquake. Any of the audience would want to hear conspiracy theories around the Turkey earthquakes that have been happening and uh, the corruption that has led to the high death toll. I think that there's a good episode there. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, so there's conspiracies around the natural disasters that happened there that I think might make for a, a good episode. All right, my final conclusion on it would be have a will because... Uh, <laughs> 
when it comes to preparing for some things, sometimes it's best just to prepare to fail at preparing. So is there a good plan for what to do with all of your remaining assets should you ever be liquidated in the middle of a puddle of lava? So that's pretty much my final words on what to do with prepping for a volcano. Have a good will. Now, Eric, if they wanted to contact us about maybe more stories on the FBI's declassified projects, or they wanted to contact us on more information around conspiracies of the earthquake in uh, Turkey. Sure. How would they be able to email us? If you want to email us for any reason at all, you can do so at bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. That's a one word, bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. I usually always leave a link of our email in the description of the podcast episode. Anyways, that will conclude today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more episodes like this, or if you just want to listen to them early, you can join our Patreon page. For $1 a month, you get these episodes early, and you also get extra episodes every month. That will do it. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, we will catch you in the next episode.